Well, good morning, church. Great to see you. I'm happy you survived Monday's storm. The now infamous derecho. Well, all learning what that terrible word means. But I'm, I am genuinely sorry for the loss many of you encountered. Loss of power, some of you for days. Loss of personal property, if you're a farmer, maybe some crops. Perhaps loss of trees. But many thanks to those of you who reached out to help your neighbors and friends as an act of loving kindness in the name of Jesus. God bless you for doing so. 2020, what can I say about this year? Some kind of crazy year. Wow. You know, school kids are now saying, I can't believe spring break is almost over. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) Hey, parents, hang in there. I know it's a little stressful, but trust God. Rely on him. He'll give you direction. Just live one day at a time. I begin today's message by asking you a question. Have you ever been robbed by anything other than a derecho? If you have, uh, that pain goes deep into your soul. Matthew Henry was a Welsh pastor who lived at the end of the 17th century, the early part of the 18th century. He was an author. In fact, he, he wrote a book, which continues to this day, called the Matthew Henry Commentary. And Matthew was known to keep a daily log, a journal, a diary, in which he recorded having been robbed. In fact, he also recorded his prayer to God after the fact. Someone discovered it, recorded it, and here it is for you in his old English language. I thank thee, God, first, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, my wallet, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it wasn't much. (laughs) And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. I love that attitude, an attitude of gratitude, and we all need to follow that. It's exemplary for us. I think we'd all like to identify with that fourth observation he made about himself. It's not I who robbed, but we may actually push that to the extreme and maybe even over the edge and and save ourselves as we look at the commandments. You know, I, I don't think I've ever stolen from anyone. Really? Stay tuned. <laughs> We're in a series of messages on the Ten Commandments. Pastor Pat's going to circle back next week to preach on the seventh commandment, but today I'm tasked with addressing the eighth commandment. You'll find it in Exodus 20 and verse 15, stated very simply, succinctly, four words in our English Bible, you shall not steal. The commentary in this prohibition is found two chapters later in Exodus chapter 20. So if you have a copy of God's Word, would you please join me in Exodus chapter 22? I'll begin reading in verse 1. Moses is speaking here under inspiration. He's writing to an agrarian society, agricultural society, talking about the subject of theft. And this likely implies someone who's either caught stealing or maybe steps forward to confess that he or she has been stealing. Here it is, verse 1. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, 
he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Now, let me just pause a moment to muse with you. I want to tie this to the New Testament character of Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus, the wee little man that climbed up the sycamore tree, the kid's song? For he wanted Jesus to see. He was a tax collector. He worked for the Roman government, even though he was a Jew, and he was ripping people off. And when Jesus came to his home and called him out for his sin, when he preached the gospel that Jesus was the Messiah, Zacchaeus believed. And to demonstrate his faith, he went on record before everybody there, if I've ever taken anything by false accusation, hey, I'm going to repay fourfold. I wonder if maybe he had this first verse in his mind. By the way, I think we need more converted Zacchaeuses in government work today. You agree? Verse 4, if the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it is an ox, a donkey, or a sheep, he shall pay double. Verse 5, if a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed over, let me pause to say this, kind of sounds like the fights in the old American West (laughs) between the cattle ranchers and the sheep herders. You've heard about those overgrazing. Or lets his beast loose and it feeds in another man's field. He shall make restitution from the best in his own field and in his own vineyard. One more scenario, verse 6. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns so that the stacked grain or the standing grain or the field is consumed, he who started the fire shall make full restitution. The chapter goes on, but you get the point. The entirety of our judicial system in America is built upon this moral code of the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. Admittedly, we cannot legislate morality. We cannot force people to do right. But we can penalize them when they do wrong. I'm going to go ahead and say it. As a result of that, we must not defund the police. We must support the police. Now, I'm not ignorant of the fact that there are some renegades who sin, and they ought to be brought to the full measure of the law, even if they are police people. But by and large, these are fine, upstanding people who represent us, who help us, who support us, who protect us. And I, for one, just want to go on record as saying, thank you for your service to us. God bless you. (laughs) Romans 13 calls them ministers of God. Now, I know my audience today, when it comes to theft, most of you have never even paid a fine, let alone served any time. (laughs) And yet some of you, if you were honest, you'd say, yeah, some petty theft along the way through shoplifting. I remember a couple of years ago when I walked into Walmart when they changed the traffic flow, I thought, what's going on here? And then I went immediately to someone who would be in the know, and I said, has this got anything to do with shoplifting? And they said, bingo, you got it, you guessed right. Walmart gets ripped off a lot. Across the board, those in sales, retail, merchandising, tell us that they lose 1.5% in shrinkage on average. That's theft by employees or by shoppers who steal, and frankly, the number is much higher in uh, certain businesses, above 2%. But most of you have not even shoplifted. 
So my applications for this commandment today will be directed to professing Christians who may have blinders on about other less obvious areas of theft. Maybe I should start with a basic definition. If you're taking notes, you can write some of this down. This is from the pen of Colin Smith. Stealing is taking what is not yours. You say, duh. Well, it goes on. Stealing is living by a motive that wants to get as much as possible while giving as little as possible. In short, it's becoming a taker rather than a giver. It's living by an entitlement mentality. Can I just pause a moment to ask you a probing question? Really, I want you to answer this in your seat right now. Your family likely could tell on you, your friends. By, based on your lifestyle, are you basically a taker or are you a giver? Christians are givers. To stretch this just a little bit further, we're talking about the essence of the gambler who tries to get something for nothing, which always leads to no good. This kind of an attitude can gradually develop over time, if we're not careful. I want to illustrate it this way. If you've ever ridden the L train in Chicago, or maybe um, the subway in New York City, my wife and I have traveled in Germany where our kids serve as, as missionaries, and We've traveled the train, and, and, and you know this, that there are many stations along the track that lead to an ultimate destination. Let's suppose for sake of argument in this message that the last station represents grand larceny. But you must realize that there are many other stations that lead to that final destiny. And my point is, don't even get on that train at the first stop. This is the way Solomon explained it in warning his son. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, try to instruct his young son. This is the way they operate, the way they think. This is how they talk. If they entice you, do not consent. If they say, that's how they're going to talk, come with us. Let us lie awaiting for blood. Let, let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. Now, why would they commit murder? He explains the rationale, the motive. Here it is. We shall find all precious goods. We're talking robbery. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. In other words, we're going to split up the goods. Solomon goes back to warning. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. Don't even get on the train. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Now, this particular passage of Scripture speaks about both murder and theft. Pastor Pat very powerfully spoke about the Sixth Commandment last week, you shall not kill. And he talked about five different ways we can kill. I just want to review a couple of them that lead you down the pathway, the train stations toward ultimate murder. The first one, the first station is the verbal abuse. This is bad talking. This is, this is name calling, often occurring in the context of the home. I, I'm the 
the, the church counselor, among several others on staff, and the greatest abuse occurs in our homes between spouses and parents with kids. It sometimes leads to murder. The second station en route to murder is hatred of the heart. A anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. 1 John 3.15. You say, wait a minute, time out, Kurt. What are you talking about? Okay, this, this in the Greek, little Greek lesson here for you, is what we call the anarthrous construction. While you're not technically guilty of committing murder, you have the qualities of a murderer that may actually lead you down the train stations toward murder. And hear me now. Racial hatred is easily the world leader in fomenting murder. We should separate from racial hatred like the plague. It is not of God. We need to call it out wherever we see it. Now, when applied to theft, there are similar stations that lead us down the path to destruction, that path that leads to grand larceny, and I want to give you five today. Here's the five. You might not have even thought about some of these. Number one, first station, is adult children at home who will not work or earn their keep. Ouch. They sponge off their parents. They expect to be provided for with little effort. I say to you, dads and moms, do not enable laziness. The Bible very clearly says, if a man will not work, neither should he eat. Second station toward grand larceny, employees who give less than a day's work for a day's wage. Some of you, maybe many of you, are now working from home, and you have to be careful because it can be really challenging when there's no boss looking at you, no one's watching. Remember this, Christian, God is watching. According to Colossians chapter 3, we don't really work for our employer, humanly speaking. We work for God. Ecclesiastes says, whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might. And do it as unto the glory of God. Be a conscientious worker. Even if you are working, whether from home or at your normal place, you can find ways to steal from your employer. How, how would that be? Well, look at this. You can include expanding the work to be done to fill the time allotted for it. I don't have much to do. I got the whole day. I'll just kind of stretch this out. Even though we know we could work more efficiently. Sometimes we use work time to pursue our own personal projects. That is also stealing. Third station down the train track is employers who do not pay fair wages or who pay them late. When the employer tries to get as much as possible while giving as little as possible to the point of taking advantage, he is stealing. Jesus' half-brother, James, who wrote an epistle on the New Testament, called out in strong terms, scandalous agricultural employers with these words. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. In context, he's talking about hell. Robbing other people leads to hell. 
Look, the wages you paid failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. God champions the cause of the oppressed, and so should God's people. To a fourth station along the train track, business transactions that defraud the other party in the exchange. How many of us have have sold a vehicle or a home or a piece of equipment in which we did not divulge the hidden problems to the purchaser? Hmm. Most of us have been scammed in this room. It's easy to get scammed today. Con honors artists are a dime a dozen online. You, you know what it feels like to be scammed, don't you? That sense of violation. Why they rip me off? Are you ripping other people off in your business transactions? Remember what Jesus said in the Golden Rule, Sermon on the Mount? Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Another kind of defrauding is what we commonly call price gouging, which is going on a lot right now, things in short supply. Figuratively speaking, this is a kind of ticket scalping from a fan who desperately wants into the game. You say, does the Bible speak about this kind of thing? Well, in different terms, it speaks about honest weights and measures and scales. Uh, to quote Proverbs 16, verse 11, honest weights and scales belong to the Lord. That is, God is honored when you use honesty in your business transactions. So we must be scrupulously honest in all of our business dealings if we name the name of Christ. This extends to paying Uncle Sam what he is owed. Ouch. Kurt, don't you know what the government's doing with our money? They'll have to give an account for that. We give an account for paying the taxes that we owe. We may not agree, but we are commanded to pay the taxes that we owe. Not reporting money taken under the table for reasons of tax evasion breaks the Eighth Commandment. And not paying those we owe money to in a timely fashion is equally wrong. So I ask you, are you current in your bills? Or are you taking advantage of the person to whom you owe? You say, does the Bible talk about? Oh, oh yeah. Here it is, Romans chapter 13. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Owe no one anything. There's a fifth and a, and a final station of theft. It may surprise you. It's the breaking of the other nine commandments. And stay with me. This leads to grand larceny of the worst sort. You recall from Proverbs 1, Solomon tied murder and, and robbery together. This principle shows the amazing connectedness of the Decalogue. Uh, give me your attention a second. Every one of the Ten Commandments is, is like a link And all of these commandments are linked together into one big chain. If you think about it logically, if you break one of the links, you break the entire chain, right? James, the aforementioned James, he used this to call out people who think that God grades on the curve in getting to heaven. You know, if I 
if I keep at least a number of the Ten Commandments, I'll be okay. They don't even realize they've broken them all. But you know what James said about this? If I offend God's law at one point, I'm guilty of it all. James 2.10. Which means every person in this room and on this earth needs a Savior because we're all guilty of our sin. Thank God he provided Jesus. If you think about it for a moment, as an example, when David broke the seventh commandment with Bathsheba, he broke all the other commandments at the same time, including the eighth commandment, you shall not steal. And you can see the connectedness of the eighth commandment, which I'm preaching about today, and the fallout of that with the other commandments. So just listen to me as I'm talking about David and Bathsheba. In that sin, David stole God's fame, commandments one and two. He blasphemed God's name, commandment number three. He mocked the concept of Shabbat and Shalom, rest in peace in our spirits, as evidenced in the fourth commandment. He brought his parents' shame, commandment number five. He stole another man's life, commandment six, stole another man's Wife, commandment number seven, stole the truth, commandment number nine, by trying to hide his covetousness, commandment number ten. We're all just like David. But that's really hard to hear. Come on, give me a break, Kurt. I'm not that bad. Listen to God's law. Romans chapter 3, we all stand guilty before him. Having to admit that we're sinners that have broken all of God's laws is a hard pill to swallow. In fact, we may secretly harbor frustration with the commandments because they are so negative. And our unsaved friends, they play pylon, they mock us. You guys are the party of no. You shall not. No, no, no. Come on. Get a life. Have some fun. Relax. Nobody wants to go to the party of no. Hearing that can sting. But I want to change your thinking. I want you to repent in how you think about the Ten Commandments. That's what preaching does. It helps to bring your thoughts into alignment with what God says. We have the wrong perception. Listen to me. God's law is love, and love protects. In the New Testament, the Jewish leaders came to Jesus one day and said, can you, they were trying to trick him, can you tell us the greatest of the Ten Commandments? Wondering, which one's he going to choose? Which one of these you shall nots is he going to cite as the greatest commandment? Jesus threw him a curveball. He didn't choose any of them. He went to the Shema passage of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And then he announced the greatest commandment. Here's the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Leviticus adds, and love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. I counsel a lot of people so I gain insights into the way people think, the way Christians think. Listen to me carefully. We only fall prey to the sins of the you shall not variety when we turn God into a cosmic killjoy. 
he's holding out on us. He doesn't want us to have any fun. And we think, carnally and in the flesh, when we say, you know what life is all about? Here, the American lifestyle. Life's all about fun. You know, I, I want that endorphin that gives me a high. I, I want to party. I, I want to live for things. I, I need to be entertained on the weekends. That, that's what drives me. But God knows better. He knows that we will find pleasure only when we make him our treasure. Listen to me carefully. If we think eternal life is only a kind of vaccination from hell, our lack of pursuit for God will starve out our joy. If he's the big meanie who's trying to hold out on us, we're going to try to squirm around the edges and get our own way, but we'll rob ourselves of joy. Ah, we've got to fight for our joy in Christ. Some illustrations. Uh, Major League Baseball is back playing ball games, uh, albeit to empty stadiums, which is really kind of weird. In an effort to make money, keep fan interest up, they're broadcasting games by putting up, as you can see in this picture, big heads. Cardboard cutouts behind home plate, imitating fans who should normally be there. Now, I'm a Minnesota Twins fan, okay? Don't hold that against me. All you Cub fans can boo in unison right now. Yeah, okay. I'm a Twins fan. Uh, during their first homestand, the, the Twins featured the, uh, the Twins legends in their cardboard cutouts. Now they're in their second homestand. I started to watch it yesterday. And, and for $80 a pop... If you are a fan, you can purchase a big head blow-up of your own likeness and maybe even find your picture on television. Can you say egoism on display? Egoism on steroids? Yeah. It's a kind of a metaphor for 21st century living in America. And to be honest with you, the way I see it, 21st century living for Christians. You know what I think God's been, been up to during this pandemic? He's trying to wean us of all this stuff. But I can be brutally honest with you, I don't see a whole lot of change in most Christians. A turning from stuff to the Lord, best as I can tell, people are largely unchanged. That breaks my heart. We make life all about ourselves, and we steal glory from God. We, we, we're takers, we're not givers. Get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the lid. American lifestyle. We like to live on the, the edge. We like to live for thrills, which eventually lead to chills. For example... There's a new wave of popularity appearing in the sport of rock climbing. It's called free soloing. What is that? It's climbing without ropes. Hello. 
The participants want the raw thrill of literally taking their lives into their own hands by hanging on a high cliff using only their fingertips. Can you say crazy? Can you say death wish? Many Christians these days are free soloing in their Christian lives. And it's leading to fatal falls of a spiritual and moral sort. The Ten Commandments are not really only negative. They're also positive. They're the ropes that keep you from falling. They're a gift from God. And they're intended to save your life. God is the protector of his people. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be safe. Note this quote I'll share with you. A society without laws does not lead to freedom. It leads to anarchy. And that's what we've been seeing on the evening news now for quite some time. So let me rephrase the first of the Ten Commandments so that we do not steal from God and steal from ourselves the joy that comes from knowing Him and loving Him. God is a good and gracious God. I'm convinced so many Christians, their view of God is skewed. It's not the God of the Bible. They think He's mad at them. He's a big meanie. He's holding out on them. Most Christians I counsel feel guilty most of the time because they think God's mad at them. I'm not keeping, I can't do that. Performance-based acceptance. Hmm. God is good, God is gracious, God is the kindest person I know, and he loves you as evidenced by the cross. So try this on for size, rephrasing the first commandment. Here it is. Enjoy God by loving him for who he is, the only true joy giver. All other allurements are false advertisers. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, The thief has not come but to steal and to kill and to destroy. The thief. But I have come, Jesus said about himself. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. By the way, who is the thief in John 10, 10? Most of us would say, well, that's a reference to the devil. Well, he certainly is a thief, and he certainly does steal and kill and destroy. But if you look at the context, the thief is not the devil. Who is the thief? The false shepherds, the hirelings that try to come in and seal away the flock. It's the philosophers of the day, the the thinkers of the day who are trying to change the way we think, even in the church, to make it all about ourselves. The thief in context is any teacher that leads you away from finding satisfaction in Jesus and by extension his emphasis on giving and get you to try to be a, a taker in getting. Church father Augustine said he defined idolatry as worshiping what should be used and using what should be worshiped. To fight the thief's attempt to steal from us, we have to instead receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and then model his lifestyle by giving to others. If you are a taker, try this verse on for size, the principle of replacement from Ephesians 4, 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. Why? 
so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. God, God says in Proverbs 3 to give him the first fruits of our substance. We ought to give him first, first, first. You, you say, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? God deserves the first tithe, the first tenth of your income. Now, I think it goes beyond that. We're not legalists here, but it starts with giving a tenth of your income to God through the local church. I Malachi mean, says it's, it's possible to rob from God, and lots of Christians do that because they're too stingy to give to God because they want a better lifestyle. And if you make some big bucks, you know, the more you make, the more money you're shelling out, and you say, well, God doesn't need that. Well, he doesn't need it, but you need to give it. You have to recognize that, that everything you possess is really God's, and you're just a steward, and when you give a tithe, a tenth, you're saying, I recognize that you're my source, and I want to praise you and thank you as being my source. Are, are, are you tithing? First tenth of our income. He also deserves the first hour of our day, give or take a few minutes. What are you talking about? I'm talking about getting into the Word of God, reading, studying, and then praying and giving Him praise as your source. If you omit your time with God, you will become a taker. You will no longer be a giver because your heart will turn cold toward God and people. He deserves the first tenth of our income, the first hour of our day. Oh, and by the way, he deserves the first day of our week. Sunday is called the Lord's Day. Hey, let that sink in. For most Christians, do they honor God on the Lord's Day? Or does it turn into something else for self? Taking, entertaining, it's the Lord's day. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. By nature, God is a giver. He's a giver. That's who he is. He's a giver. When we could not keep the law, Christ kept the law for us. When we should have paid the price for breaking the law, Christ paid the price for us. Where did he do that? On the cross where he hung between two thieves. People like you and me. Only one of them believed. The other was a taker and he went to hell. But the other one recognized that God is a giver out of eternal salvation by grace, if only he'd repent and believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the Son of God in human flesh who paid for his sins on the cross and rose again. He received the gift of eternal life by trusting in Jesus, and so can you today. This is the gospel, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. And the best known verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16, you could say it with me, for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only begotten son, that what? Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God is a giving God, and he will give salvation freely to all who come to him in repentance, 
confessing their sins, forsaking them, and believing that Jesus took their rap on the cross for their sins. If you trust him as Savior and Lord, God will give you eternal life because God is a giver. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you. As we share with God's people the fullness of your revelation, we don't only look at these negatives and feel like God has killed you, but when we see that he's a giver, when we could not keep the law, Christ kept it for us. When, when, when we should have paid the price, Christ paid it for us. You want to give us eternal life. Thank you for that. I just pray right now, your spirit will convict people that they are sinners and they have no hope unless they trust in Jesus. But give them hope that you are a giving God who wants to give them life right now if only they'll reach out by faith and trust in Christ. Help them to do that. But then, Lord, I pray you do something in the hearts of Christians here. Because if we're really honest with ourselves, most of us in a, our American brand of cultural Christianity, we're takers. We're not givers. Convict us and change us. Lord, help us to open our closed fingers and realize that it's all yours. Everything. Our time, our talent, our treasure, our kids, our health, our lives, they all belong to you. Help us to be givers and not takers and thus to glorify the God and the Savior who gave his life for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing together?